Welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at the New York University. My name is Kian and I'm tonight's co-host, a junior from Queensland, Australia, studying vocal performance in Steinhardt and an RA in Alumni Hall. And I'm Tom Ellett, your other co-host and serve as the Senior Associate VP of Student Affairs. Welcome, Kian. So how is life as an RA going? It's great. It's good. It's been a bit challenging, but exciting. So tell me what you expected and what you're experiencing as it relates to community. Mm. I mean, I expected within the team of RAs itself to be like a really wonderful family. And that's something that I've really found. And I love them so much. We've had this community. and It's this home that is so wonderful. And I think along the floor also, there's a really lovely community and I've connected with residents like far beyond what I thought I would. Good for you. Yeah. And, and tell me a little bit about your home. You're, you have a wonderful accent. <laughs> What's it like to be away here in New York studying away from home? Uh, it's, it's challenging in its own ways. It's extremely rewarding because this has been my dream for as long as I can remember. To come to New York? Yeah, I've, I've, like, I remember the days I was like 12 and New York, I had pictures all over my room and now it's a reality. So it's amazing sometimes to just sit here and like reflect on that. Um, it, it comes with its own set of challenges, like being away from home and my family and my friends, but I absolutely love it and I wouldn't trade it in for the world. Australia is a wonderful place. I've been mm-hmm. four times yes. and I've really enjoyed it. What's the biggest thing you miss as it relates to cuisine and food? Oh, I don't know. Coffee. Well, it's not food, but okay. I, our That's coffee fair. is really great. Okay. The baristas, they just know how to do it in Australia. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, great. Well, let's talk about tonight's guests. We mm-hmm. have two of them. We do, we do. Today, our special guests are Samantha and Brian Lawton, who served as RAs in Brittany Hall RHD Audrey Kajumbala with RHAD Stephen King during 2009 to 2011 academic years. Welcome, Samantha and Brian, and thank you for joining us for tonight's show. It's a real pleasure having you both on. How are you? Doing great. Things are great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so happy to be here. Well, tell us, Samantha and Brian, it's great to have you on, truly. Tell us, where are you right now? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are in Florida, more specifically Tampa, Florida. We're directing for Norwegian Cruise Lines. Wow. Yep. Wow. Okay. Sunny 80s. I think you're in fall and I think we're still in summer. Yeah. yeah. Jealous. There's a very big time difference in the seasons as well. (laughs) Jealous. We're going to unpack all of what you're doing now, but let's go back a little bit first. Why don't we talk a little bit about what you studied here at NYU? Sure. Uh, I went to uh, Steinhardt and I studied nutrition. I was originally on the track to do pre-med and then decided I wanted to dance for my whole life. So then I changed my major in nutrition and uh, got that as a fallback. And I went to uh, Tisch Dance. I actually transferred into NYU after a year of attending UC Berkeley because similar to Brian, I also thought like, hey, being a doctor sounds great. So I I was going pre-med at Berkeley, decided to transfer instead and thought like, you know, if I'm going to do this thing called dance, I should probably do it sooner than later. So the only place I auditioned to get in um, for a transfer was NYU and I got it. And so I said I had to go. So I studied in the dance department, which focuses on modern uh, and experimental movements in ballet. That's so interesting. What made you make that transition? Like that's such a big leap. What led you to do that? 
You know, sometimes it's like this little hint, little by little. I'm interested in actually hearing yours too, Brian, because little by little, it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if my everyday is exactly what I want it to be. I was loving my studies. I was doing well with grades. Like I, I'm still like so interested in learning more um, in like a, a medical field or like how the body works. And I realized that that overlap of just like, I also enjoy knowing how the body works by moving my own body. And so I actually, when I auditioned for Tisch between my fall semester as a freshman at Berkeley, uh, and it was um, during that winter time I auditioned in San Francisco, and I actually didn't want it that bad when I auditioned. And then after the audition, I realized that particular moment, like this is exactly what I need to do. Like I, this is all I want to dedicate my life to. So like these little hints, and then all of a sudden, after the audition, of course, was over, I realized how much I wanted it, and I just wanted a very like specific change um, at that point uh, in my life. Yeah. Yeah, you're Sue, Brian. Uh, like, what did you get little <laughs> hints or? No, for for me, I was uh, studying pre med, but then I knew I still wanted dance to be a part of my life. So I had joined uh, the Swing Dance Society and the Latin Ballroom Dance Club. It really felt like one day I woke up and all of a sudden I was president of both of those clubs and I was <laughs> dancing way more than I was studying. And I, it was very clear that that's what I wanted to do with all of my time. And so I yeah, changed everything around to uh, make room for that. Hey. Yeah, similarly, I think clubs were a huge thing where it's yeah. like, oh, this is a hobby that we enjoy. I, and I did the same at Berkeley. I, I invested in some of the dance clubs there, but I was rehearsing on brick and cement. And I realized how passionate I was about it versus just the few hours a week I would do. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, we have to unpack how you two met, okay? <laughs> and now you're married and you're together a dance couple. We'll get into that. But how did you meet at NYU? Oddly enough, we were RAs together. Uh, oddly uh, enough. Okay, okay, okay. We, okay. we met as RA. Okay. Wait, you were an RA too? Yes. That's wild. Brittany Hall, what uh, year? So yes, we were, we were RAs at Brittany Hall together. <laughs> Wait, I have a story. Oh, go for it. Okay, let me tell you about before Brian came over. So Brian actually came as an RA um, at the top of the spring semester of our junior year. And so um, I had already been an RA previously. And I was called into the office of our RHAD, assistant director of the building at the time, said, hey, you know, I've been interviewing for uh, a new RA to fill a position that they were filling, and I found one. He's a dancer. You're going to love him. And I will never forget that line because that line just was like, oh, haha, that's funny. Great. Dancers are nice. <laughs> but look, look, what, what look how it's like that one sentence rotated you know the meaning of it totally shifted that was my favorite moment <laughs> so yes we met as RAs but the best part was that we weren't the closest of friends like we didn't like you know it was not this love at first sight let's look at each other in the eyeballs and decide like let's be best friends you know like there wasn't that like spark or anything I just saw him sitting across the circle during RA meetings and he was pretty funny and that's that's cool but we lived our a very different life at, at school and so it just took time like for our friendship to develop. If anything, we had one other RA who was both of our closest friends. Mm -hmm. So Patrick was the one that kind of co connected us. Yeah, but life together as us, who we are now together, was actually after college. But during college, not, not even the closest of friends. But we were on the same committee. That's true. We were on the news events committee our senior year. Yep. And, and that was a different dynamic than our work life. Yeah, day. you could tell Sam had a very busy workload 
at Tish because <laughs> we would get to the meetings and uh, it would have happened where I did all the work and updated the website and whatnot. And then it would get to the update and be like, oh, so Sam and Brian, what's new uh, this week for the website? And I'd say, Brian, tell them. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you about life now. I'm, we're jumping ahead. Keon's got a couple of questions for you first about NYU. And then we're going to get into your career. I promise you. We yeah. can't wait. Well, what, what made you both apply for the RE position? So I transferred in. I was at Lafayette for my sophomore year, my first year at NYU. And when I was thinking about where to live next, I still love the idea of being in a residence hall where there's a community of people. I just think like the idea of staying with people was exciting to me. Um, and then I can't neglect the answer of it just also being a very like financial situation for myself at least where out of necessity sort of also needed to apply to even see if it was possible but sort of a dream idea to do anyway I really love the idea of yeah having a community of people that I could also leave I feel like my experience of going from you know freshman and transferring and figuring out like what is my life I liked the idea a lot of especially being in a freshman dorm because my freshman experience was a lot to handle a lot of mental things to handle but what do I want with my life and I wanted to uh, be in a position to help guide other people. Brian, when you think about, I'm going to skip the question. Brian, when you th when you think about what you gained from the position in terms of skills, what did you gain? And, and how are you using those things today? Planning events, which was a lot of, you know, calculating a budget and uh, advertising and getting people excited to come and attend your event, which definitely, especially right when we started working together, carried over directly to us setting up classes and advertising it to students and creating a sense of community for our students uh, where we would put on, you know, social events for our students all to get to know each other. Or at the beginning of a new cycle, we would host icebreakers directly from, you know, RA 100%. icebreakers for, for our floor meetings. So there's, there's a lot of direct carryovers into our life right now. Uh, as we create a, a community for adults and young adults. I, I would say, too, uh, so very specific, like transferring over to the workplace, sort of as like entrepreneurs and, and hosting our sort of own business. But also just, uh, I think, about the way we interact professionally or just with anyone in the world about, like, I remember all the pillars still from being an RA, like you're a mediator, a counselor, a role model, like all of these aspects, like, permeate every uh, connection you have with any human being all you're doing in a business is relating to other human beings so it's just that constant how do you just be nice to people or how do you clearly communicate with people so you have a sense of community and welcomeness in what you do so true and Brian you were saying about your students what kind of relationships did you guys have with your residents and how did you build those relationships it felt like a very case-by-case uh, -case situation with my residents for sure where uh, we wanted to create a sense of community on the floor. And for some people that was encouraging them to come out of their room and to leave their door open and to, you know, say hello and come to events. And for some people, it was maybe giving other people a chance to speak and uh, take the spotlight as it were, but then also trying to find something that appealed to everyone. So not just thinking about what I wanted to do for an event or, or even what, the vocal people on my floor wanted out of an event, but trying to, to have something for everyone. And if this event wasn't for somebody, maybe this next one would be for that particular person. 
let's spend some time talking about your really very successful career. Uh, walk us through the stage of being a student, leaving that, leaving NYU, and going full-time for the dance career. Samantha, we'll start with you first. My process was actually a bit longer than Brian's. Brian graduated, honestly, he had a job secured as a ballroom teacher, a swing and ballroom teacher, I think, what, the year before? Like, I think you had, like, the summer before, you had been asked, it was contracted, done, he graduated, he went straight into teaching, into this beautiful dancer life. I graduated, and I was a bit more scrambly than that, I would say. So for me, I had a collection of part-time jobs, all within the dance field, but I wasn't dancing. So for about a year, worked as a social media manager for a photographer who photographed dancers. And then I worked as a development and communications manager for a dance studio. And then I also worked in communications at a firm that did advocacy uh, for dance. Um, so relating to like government, hosting programs and things like that. So for a bit, I was a bit uh, on the periphery. And really the biggest jump was when Brian and I decided that we were just friends at the time and we decided that professionally we wanted to see if like a dance partnership would work. And that meaning, you know, rehearsing more regularly, choreographing things together, trying to seek work together. Since we had not done that privately, we had done it in dance companies, but nothing, just the two of us. And so little by little, I ended up leaving those part-time jobs. And I just had to take that leap of faith and say like, okay, if I put energy in, hopefully there's energy out. And it's not hopefully, but over the course of our life, we figured out that is a truth. You know, you put your focus somewhere and something will come out of that. And so about a year after college, that's when we decided to host our own classes with students and have a regular weekly class situation, performances here and there. It was very uh, freelance to start and still continues to be. Now we have larger projects I think we work on, but it was very um, little by little and we crafted it ourselves just to keep ourselves afloat for quite a while until larger work started happening. Um, but it was definitely, for Brian, he was quite secure. He could have stayed in that job forever, really. And it was just a leap of faith for both of us, for Brian to also leave that job and for both of us to start fresh as dance partners. That's so interesting. So we know that you are both very, very talented and you are incredibly versatile. Um, but tell us a little bit, you've directed for the Norwegian Cruise Line. Um, how has that been different to like directing for them as opposed to other musicals and other performances that you've been directing and choreographing? Well, at Norwegian, the entertainment that we, we direct for their ships is more set than other other areas that we direct for so for example right now we're directing for the norwegian explorer and they have a few different main stage shows and those shows are already set so we know what choreography we're teaching and all, all that we'll really do is like fine tune the choreography or the stage direction to the particular actors so there's there's a lot of creative direction and molding it and shaping it towards specific people but the show exists and there's an arc and the the for the most part it's set yeah and i think like the main point of what we do here is to keep the integrity of a show mm -hmm. that a creative team already brought so we try to make sure that it keeps its original attention and doesn't go astray uh and that the performers like keep the the highest quality of what their show originally was um a lot of the shows here were originally broadway shows or still continue to be or on tour so a lot of the it's high caliber creative work and it requires, yeah, a, a high intensity that we try to maintain is really, I think, the main point. 
Whereas a lot of the other shows that we choreograph are more from scratch. So it's just us. Like my, my favorite part of it is us just in our kitchen bouncing off ideas <laughs> and saying, well, this could happen. Oh, well, if this character did this, then definitely this character would do that. And then just get into our living room and trying out a lot of different wacky movement and uh, <laughs> seeing what fits. Interesting. You talk about that partnership. How does that partnership stay vibrant being married couple, personal life, and then on the stage together, either choreographing or being partners on the stage as dancers together? Ooh, fancy. How does it, Brian? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> thankfully, we haven't gotten sick of each other yet. Um, yeah, uh, you. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, and, and I am always amazed after working an entire day together that we come home and Sam still wants to spend time with me. That's, <laughs> that's a nice and amazing thing. Um, but it, it really is like when we're working, we're, we're very much in our work. So it, it doesn't like, yes, we're together all the time. And thankfully when we go home, we don't have to say, how was your day? What happened? You'll never believe what happened in the studio. That's um, exhausting. But, <laughs> oh God. I'm just kidding. Uh, okay. But when, uh, uh, when we get home, it still feels like we want to spend quality time together because it's not like we've hung out and, you know, just been enjoying each other's company. We've been there True. working and it's just a different section of our life. It's a different way of interacting with each other that satisfies one need, but uh, uh, but not one on a more personal level. And I would say, too, that uh, so even though it, like, it feels like two worlds, it um, we establish it quite clearly in the beginning of this together where we couldn't allow the way we treated each other in the workplace be any different than how we want to treat each other outside of the workplace. Um, and so the dynamics that enter any part of whatever sort of relationship we have have to be just as clearly communicated, just as kind, just as uh, yeah, polite. Um, we've ha been lucky to have great examples, especially in a workplace, of a partnership. It doesn't mean that they necessarily have to be a couple, but we've ha we've been able to see many people, many uh, like two people partnerships um, teach or choreograph together or direct together. And we like see like a beautiful way that people can interact, especially in front of others to not put the other down or to one takes the charge and the other one just sits back. It's like a very equal exchange. And we've had great role models that we want to be like. Um, and so with their sort of like role model shift in the, the workplace, um, realizing how possible it is to kind of keep that same feeling throughout the entire day. So it doesn't necessarily feel like two worlds, but I think what we mean to say is that we still just want to hang out. <laughs> we still just want to, you know, not have to talk about work. <laughs> I love that. Tell us what a typical day is like for the two of you. Right, so yeah, you go. It definitely depends on the week. So like this week is very different than any other because we, you know, well, not than any other, but it's very specific to Florida where we are on a 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. rehearsal shift. So we'll wake up at 5.30 or 5.45 and then <laughs> get ready, go to the studio, we'll rehearse from 7 to 3 p.m. and then we'll come home and we'll relax for a bit maybe and then do some administrative email work for our own lives and whatnot. Uh, and that's you know, six days a week here, uh, and then we'll have a day off and make pancakes and sleep in late. Very important. Uh, very important. Mm -hmm. But uh, if we're in New York, it's definitely more project-based. So there'll be, uh, you know, the occasional performance or big lesson that we're preparing for. Um, but if it's a, 
a, a truly freestyle, a freelance life at home, then we'll probably wake up, have a small snack, <laughs> workout, <laughs> breakfast, emails, administrative life, choreograph, rehearse, uh, and then in the evening is usually some sort of event, lesson, class. Yeah, something we, of that sort. If if it's not work based or a gig or a, a, whatever projects coming up, a day can just we feel like we always want to be training. So whatever that means, we train in something each day, either mainly in our form or we we love <laughs> random skills. Like in the day, we'll juggle or we'll go to an aerial class or like be roller skating in the living room. Uh, just anything, anything that feels like our bodies are moving and our brains are active, we'll continue to train. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be living downstairs of you. <laughs> Don't you worry. We we are luckily our own downstairs neighbors. Ah, uh, there you go. All right. We yeah, we have a duplex and we're very lucky to be able to make loud sounds and dancing. That's awesome. Good. <laughs> but we send ourselves a lot of complaints. Oh yeah. Good, yeah. Good, good. How dare we do that again? We're tapping on those tap boards again yeah. in the living room, mm. Brian. On the tap boards, I come. <laughs> So as you were saying, you have sometimes you can have long days when you're working on a project. As performers, you obviously rely so heavily on your body. How do you take care of yourself and your instrument and your daily routine and when it does start to pick up and get busy again? I would say that that process definitely starts a long time before these demanding hours, like definitely working up our strength and our stamina mm -hmm. for long days like this and, and having a a fairly strict and, and dedicated workout schedule, um, uh, working up to it. Yeah, personal, unrelated to any projects, and mm -hmm. not just like the warm up before, you know, you actually start moving, but an own our own daily practice of uh, working out. Uh, but then definitely stretching before, cooling down after. Uh, I, I would say sometimes it feels like, and this probably isn't true. It's just what it feels. Uh, <laughs> the hardest times is when we're not dancing all day, like for example, here in Florida, will teach a lot during the beginning of the process and be demonstrating what the steps are. But then once they know all the shows, we're sitting down and watching them a lot and taking notes and giving corrections. And so we actually spend most of our day sitting and watching and typing on a computer or writing in a notepad. Um, so during those, it's, it's often more important to just find the time to move and, and stretch throughout the day. Uh, so that you don't get cold and then all of a sudden have to show a trick or something. Yeah, I think being as, as freelance as we are with projects totally ranging on which side of the table we're on, especially, um, we as as primary performers right mm -hmm. now is how we feel and we do other work as well. Like as primary performers, we always have to take care of our our body, our our instrument first is what it feels like. And that also for us goes into nutrition. We, we've been both vegan for four years. So that's a big part um, of like our sort of daily routine as well as just um, like the freshest, wholest foods possible. We love cooking um, and we love bringing meals uh, places like going out for food isn't our favorite thing. So um, that's also just the, the idea of the way you treat yourself daily is important, not just checking in every now and then. Being a nutrition major, that's definitely a large part of our <laughs> of our yeah. self care. Yeah. 
you've given us so much to think about and, and the way you kind of uh, take care of yourself. Uh, it, it's phenomenal. We're going to take a brief break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to really talk a little bit about some of the special projects you've worked on. I'm excited to hear about the marvelous Mrs. Maisel and Tonight Show. So we'll be back in just a moment. Do you like comedy? Do you like binge watching comedy? Well, I'm Kimberly DePersia, and I'm here to tell you about The Egos, currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Go and check us out. We have five seasons up and ready for you to watch and laugh at, hopefully. We also have The Holidays, which is a sister show, too. So go ahead and check that out. Go on over Amazon Prime and check out our Instagram as well, at Egos Live. Welcome back, Sam and Brian. We've just heard about your wonderful experiences while at NYU, and now we're going to keep talking a little bit about what you've been doing since you've left NYU. So you've both uh, worked in pre-production for Auntie um, Blankenbuehler's um, Bandstand, both in uh, Broadway and Paperbill. Um, what surprised you most about working on the other side of the table? Well, I guess what was surprising that it didn't surprise us to do it. It's not a weird way to respond. <laughs> it was such a natural process of, like, when we went into the studio, so we've worked with Andy, but a collection of different choreographers as well for different projects. And so in that sort of incubation time, that pre-production time, any choreographer we worked with has these maybe general ideas or very specific ideas, and they just need to see them on their feet. And what's so fun about that, it just feels like playtime. Like you walk in and there's nothing particularly strange or surprising. It's just they have these directives and collaborations they're looking to, to see from you. They're looking for insight. Any choreography we have worked with is looking for that, that brainstorm session because we also know on our side as choreographers, you can sit down and, and imagine a thing in your head as much as possible, but once you see it physically done, it can, can change or maybe the idea didn't work. So those, those times have been so incredibly fun to say, it's the what if game. Oh, well, what if we did this movement or, you know, um, with whatever the directive is. Like, for instance, a, a directive could be, okay, I see you moving from the back of the stage front and probably on this count, there's a lift. What could it be? And that is, is such like a fun playground to work in. And each choreographer brings in their ideas for the show as a whole or um, their research on the era. So for Bandstand, for instance, we fell right into that with our our own sort of daily life um, and work in swing dance. But some of the choreographers we worked with um, uh, exist outside or the shows they worked on ex exist outside of that form. So it could be as general as like, how do you partner with another human being, not in a uh, specific style or even more crafted with hand gestures. So uh, if anything, it's um, it actually still allows you to be as if you were on the stage. Mm -hmm. Pre-production actually makes you feel still like the dancer, still like the actor, the performer, because you put yourself in their shoes and say, well, if I was this person, what could I do? Yeah, you kind of just play You play in someone's brain, but they see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and then conversely, what about TV? You've had the opportunity to be involved in on The Tonight Show and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. How did that change uh, for you? And what was it like to be on such an iconic uh, miniseries like uh, Mrs. Maisel. Oh, that was such a great experience. What a dream. Every second of that. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so much fun to film it. What What was so different about that one uh, was, you know, if you're rehearsing for a show, you uh, uh, rehearse it a bunch over and over and over and over again. But then when you do a show, you might do one or two performances in a day or in an evening. Uh, 
but then this one, we rehearsed a bunch leading up to it. And then uh, uh, the idea for the scene was we were going to do it in a one shot where the camera starts, it moves around the room, and then it never stops. Yeah, so there's no splicing back and forth. Uh, so we had to do this. It, it was a long scene. It was about a 10 minute scene or something where we were dancing the whole way through and we would film it over and over and over and over again. So the day of the kind of the shoot day or our performance day, uh, mm-hmm. we probably ended up doing. It was like 30, yeah. 30 runs of it. Or something. Yeah. And it, yeah. And I think what's so fun uh, about uh, film work um, are actually like our first film thing. We, we were in a, a music video for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I think that was our first exposure into, you know, you, you, you're on your mark you uh-huh. and you do it and you might only have that one chance, at least for that shoot, we had this one chance to do the choreography and then it was never redone again. Like it was never reshot versus for Maisel, especially because that, that scene was such a long one take, um, you we had to kind of do it over and over sort of thing but but you don't know that you know you go into it and you assume this is the performance yeah like and there's no oh you know if I mess up this time I could change it next time there's there's no room for that so that heightened experience of like gotta get it right now I love it I think that's such a thrill to have that sort of um caliber or honestly the pressure excites me like I I want to be I want to convince myself to be at my best and uh, it's in an environment where everyone's elevated to that point too like always bring your best to the table and and it's uh in like the question before of working in pre-production we're constantly making mistakes because that's how we create things you like you mess up or you you try something new and it leads to something new so that's a whole other world that it, um satisfies that excitement of play making mistakes see how it goes and in this world of like be on your mark do it the best you can because this is this is your moment which is absolutely thrilling so we're super excited especially to see uh uh, Maisel come out um and see what that ends up looking like Mm -hmm. for sure yeah how do you prepare yourself for when you're performing even directing choreographing how do you get yourself into that space to be ready to play ready to work and ready to perform at your best Mm. Physically, it's definitely warming up, some cardio, some stretching, uh, some strengthening, and then getting into it. Uh, if it's a performance, I'm trying to get myself, number one, into character, if it's that kind of show. Number two, trying to get my conditions actually as as close to uh, rehearsal or the, the dress performance that I had before. So, for example, you know, if during rehearsal I'm doing a, a certain warm-up and then I'm practicing the the show over and over again with Sam, then when I get to the actual show day, I don't want to do something totally different. And then when I get to start dancing with Sam, I feel like a totally different person to mm-hmm. her, you know. I, I want everything to feel as similar as possible so it's a, a predictable and repeatable outcome, uh, at least when I'm connecting with another person. Uh, the beautiful thing about live performance is every performance is different and uh, we should embrace those differences and celebrate them. And that's what makes it so much fun to do and so addicting to so many people. Uh, uh, but mm-hmm. as from the viewpoint of trying to be a compassionate partner, <laughs> I want to be as predictable as possible. To Sam. So you perform, you choreograph, you teach but you teach not only from the London, uh, places like London at Camp Savoy 
in India at the World Dance Festival. And then you probably teach people who don't really know how to dance very well, <laughs> from, right? So, yeah. Uh, Our okay, favorite. It really? Yep. Yes. Converting everyone over to dancing? Absolutely. That's my life dream. So how do you prepare <laughs> for that breadth and spectrum of competence right, uh, and excitement? Because I'm sure you would get, like, my wife wants to take dance lessons. She's a great dancer. Me? There's no way. I can't do it. Now it's out. Mom, hold on. We'll convince you by the end of this interview. That's for uh, sure. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I will sign up for one of your, your dance Oh, yeah. But, oh, well, that was easy. Oh, that was so easy. Yeah, yeah. I used to work harder than that. That's a, that's a real spectrum, though. Yeah, it, that's definitely a spectrum. And I think over time, what we've learned is that the way we approach teaching is actually exactly the same. And in that, when we go into any classroom of any movement skill set of uh, folks that do not know their lefts from lefts <laughs> to to train dancers who have trained their entire life but actually haven't done this style, the idea we come into any class to teach is is quickly finding out, well, how do these students learn? And that's the most important part. Like, are they numbers people? Are they rhythm people? Are they just visual learners? And so, um, and also, and if it's not a small enough class for that actual, like, seeing how people are picking up material or movements, then making sure that we keep a breath, a fresh breath of all the different ways that we know have at least experienced how people intake information. One of the main points, I think, especially for folks that haven't grown up dancing or moving their body in like uh, a particular way is yes, like uh, keeping the excitement of it. We're like, how exciting is it, especially in a partner dance to communicate with someone without talking and you're communicating in a polite way and, and creating space for someone to be creative is, is really a beautiful thing to witness. Um, we actually do a lot of first dance lessons and those are some of our favorites also because getting to see two people like share a dance together or create this shared dance together is such a beautiful thing. You don't have to, the way you communicate could just be so clear and kind and open and yeah, you learn a lot about yourself and the way you lead and the way you follow. And as a follow, you still are empowered um, in that role. And so it ends up sharing that excitement, not just of like how your body is moving, but like what it really means to be partner dancing. Um, we definitely want to get that across to no matter what the skill set is. I love that. What are some of your favorite styles of dancing? I would say the one that uh, takes up most of our time right now and pays most of our bills <laughs> would be Lindy Hop and Charleston is what we specialize in. And I would say is my favorite dance with the caveat that uh, I wouldn't be happy if that was the only dance that I did just because I love all the styles of dances. I, I love having the variety and being able to dance to so many different styles of music and being able to express myself in so many different ways. But Lindy Hop and Charleston are really where it's at for me. Yeah. And I think that was the thing that connected us at first too, is how, how can we create a dance partnership as swing dancers, particularly Lindy Hop and Charleston being the ones that we've um, trained in the most, because it's just a joyful dance. It's a very, uh, the community of people also, it's a giant community around the world, by the way. It's like this thing that you think is underground, but once you learn about it, it is ginormous. There's Lindy Hop and swing dance events every single weekend in, in cities all around the world. Like name a, I bet you it's even on Antarctica probably at this point. It's not. 
but it could be soon enough. But name a country, name a city, name a major city, and there will be swing dancing there, and there will be a community of people there just excited to dance together, excited to dance to this music. And so it excites me the most because I get to also dance with people who haven't trained their entire lives, who um, have a nine to five job and then at night decide they want to take some class or wanted to share dances with people to this mu- this swing music. And so that's, I would say definitely my, my life favorite as well. But having trained in jazz and ballet and modern and contemporary, all these things, I can never give up my time and my, uh, my dedication and my love for those as well. So similarly with Brian, uh, it's just, how do we, how do we, there's only so much time in the day, but how do we uh, do everything we love, but also, you know, get to share, share what we love the most um, with the most amount of people. As we transition out, I want to hear your advice for our students who want a career in dance. What do they have to do to be successful, to be working dancers? I think there's there's a lot that goes into it, Nero, and there's fine-tuning your instrument um, and, and preserving your physical well-being. Uh, but it's also realizing that that not necessarily the most talented dancer or performer is the one getting all the work. It, it also takes a good administrator. You need to be your own administrator, and it takes a lot of uh, uh, know-how in terms of Advertising yourself and creating your website and managing your emails and yeah, all the stuff that we, you know, of course, became professional dancers to do. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. Sit at a computer for hours and write emails. But it, it really is, it really is just as important as anything else that we do. Really, what gets our name out there and gets us gigs and supports this lifestyle. And then I would say too, it's such a classic, like the whole never give up thing, but I think it's the reality of especially entering a freelance life, um, uh, or if you in, uh, insert yourself into the audition circuit, which we haven't done much of, to be honest, it's just the hustle, being prepared for the hustle, being prepared and knowing that's just what it is. And you love it so much. How great is it that you want to do it? And like once, uh, I think the way to survive it, I think we've been very lucky to be freelance now for seven years, seven years now together doing freelance work. And it's just constantly putting energy in to get energy out is really what we learned from that first leap of faith of quitting the other work and if you're if you're very interested in something then you then you put it there you don't wait for it to come to you and that doesn't mean that you have to like be obnoxious about it but if you want that show you go to every audition that show has or if you love that choreographer you see all that choreographers work and you get used to it and if you happen to be at some sort of networking event you talk to them and just say hey your choreography is wonderful you know you you create relationships with people any person you meet will somehow always come back in your life any person we've from NYU as well connections that we had there it's just friends it's really just friends that somehow over time things interweave you don't realize how people interconnect you don't know who's friends with who sort of thing and uh, as unfortunate as it feels uh, on one side where it's the who you know game it's also like how exciting like you have this collection of friends really these are like really kind acquaintances that you've interacted with in class or work and just knowing that any interaction you have like well that could be a seed for something else later that I don't know yet we've had a lot of work that's come around like two years later Um, nothing we can predict so it's really just you invest yourself in it because you love it you just need to continue to check yourself to make sure you love it as much as you think you do. I think that's the main thing because then you can find dissonance if you if you feel bitter in any aspect of that. 
I think, and then super specifically, I think this past year for us um, has been the first year with an agent. And we went six years without an agent and only did things ourselves. So I think finally for that, that just brought us to a new level for the TV work we've been doing. So that that is a very specific to us situation. Not everyone needs an agent, but we have found benefit in particular ways, but also are continuing our life as is, as we've done for six years. So it's really just the hustle, the hustle that you love to do. Mm-hmm. Which is also, Hustle is a great partner dance, also. Let me mm-hmm. all about it. It's a great dance. I was going to say, it's a dance. <laughs> Look at it. it all comes back to dance. So you were talking a bit about connections. Do you still stay in contact with any other um, RA alums? Um, if so, who do you still chat to? It's your shout out time. We just saw a bunch of uh, RAs recently uh, at a little going away uh, facility, unfortunately, for Jason Reed. Jason Reed. Yeah. He's moving to DC or actually just did. And so that was a fun sort of reunion too. Mm-hmm. What do we, who do we have there? We got Brittany D. Mueller. Uh-huh. We got Michael Cromit. Uh-huh. Who else is there? Hillary Mark Brandenburg. Levy. Mark Levy. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, that was Unfortunately that. not there was Patrick Wong. Patrick we, Wong. We talked about him a lot. Oh, I uh, talk about him all the time. I miss him. He's in San Francisco. Uh, we did see him fairly recently though. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, Plus is going on. Oh, but listen. So those are our Brittany Hall mates. Those are people we were RAs with that we've been able to see more than not, which is really great, especially because we're on all very, very different fields. So it's mm-hmm. super fun to catch up and see what these very different life styles are going. But my very successful and very, very successful in in whatever they're passionate about, whatever that is like success. Find whatever success means just means that, you know, they've committed to their field because they are they truly believe in it um but michael Michael george michael george who was an ra at ruben Mm -hmm. one of our greatest friends of all time Uh, greatest friends Uh, we we talk to him constantly yeah another talented artist the bell is ringing so we have to go to speed round okay real quick okay what is what was your favorite dining hall? Downstein. Oh, uh, downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite NYU professor. Oh, um, I'm going to say that I can't choose favorites because I'm thinking really quickly. But I will say that one of my professors ended up being a colleague in a dance uh, uh, company that we're in. So Andy mm-hmm. Tierstein, who is mm-hmm. my music history professor, also was a fiddler in a show I uh, performed in. We performed it. Yeah. So that that was exciting. Not my favorite. I mean, he's a great, he's a favorite. They're all my favorite. Uh, I'll cheat and say the the ballroom instructor through the Latin mm. ballroom dance uh, club, mm. Stanley McCullough. Okay. Ooh, yeah. I love to cheat. It's a bit of a cheat, but yep. I, I approve, but I don't know if I can. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it, Brian. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and finally, what was your uh, most memorable RA experience? <laughs> Four Ruben RAs left in a dodgeball tournament. This is like the end-all, be-all. Actually, it wasn't. I think we, this was only the second yeah, game of a whole good. 10 or whatever. But listen, me representing Brittany, and I was like, oh, man, I got my Brittany Hall RAs on my shoulders. I'm going to do this for the team. Four people I was against. You want to know who won? It was me. No, it wasn't me. It was Brittany Hall RAs. You know what I mean? I did. Yeah. On behalf of everyone, I won for Brittany. And actually became great friends with the Ruben RAs after because I totally beat them. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Very memorable. Uh, I, have a, I have a tie between two memories, I think. But I'll pick this one. Uh, there was that one snow day uh, for, for NYU. <laughs> 
and uh, the first snow day, the first snow day for in in forever. Um, but I, I brought my TV out of my room, and it was like this huge <laughs> hunk of junk that I brought into the hallway, and like brought a bunch of pillows and whatnot. Aww. And uh, anyone who passed by could stop by, and there, there ended up being like. I think like six or seven of us and we just spent the entire day and I made them watch the entire season of Firefly uh, <laughs> uh, by coupling. Uh, and it was magical. It was just snowing and oh, we had hot nice. beverages and watched Firefly and it was wonderful. Wow, Brian, you were a great artist. Oh, Sam. Oh, no, stop it. <laughs> Samantha, Brian, thank you so much for spending time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where life after NYU has taken you. Uh, as always, thank you to our listeners. Um, you can stay connected to the RE alums who are living the dream school alumni version life. Samantha and Brian, you are the epitome of love, success, and joy. I mean, you see it every video I watch of the two of you. and It just gives me great pride to say there are two wonderful NYU alums. So thank you so much for spending some time with us and, and talking with us. Really appreciate oh, it. Thank you both for the opportunity. It's been really wonderful yeah. to talk with you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Special thanks to my engineer, Juliana Fonseco-Alesso, our executive director, Duncan Lemieux, and our executive producer, Shahara Ranasang, and to the current professional staff and the alums like Audrey and Stephen, who assisted these great RA alums in skill acquisition along the way. If you like the show, look for more content on the newly unveiled NYU RA alumni website, Hint, hint, we'd like some dance skits for to put on our website, Brian, Samantha and Brian, <laughs> which right. it lists RA favorite books, picks of all-time favorite RAs, uh, alumni accomplishments, and ways to be mentored. Until next time, find your dance in life and go out and dance to what's best. Have a great night. Bye.